Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Amen. Today we are starting a new sermon entitled, The Harvest Life. And I believe this is important for us to... To not only hear it, but to assimilate it. And it's, it's only a three-week series sermons. Three weeks, today, next Sunday, and the following, and then it's over. So you do not want to miss out any one of these sermons. You cannot miss it. I, I believe that this series is going to shift us, some of us, in a new realm of Christianity. I believe that this sermon and this series is going to bless you. But I need to forewarn you that today's sermon is a preamble to that harvest life. And so I'm going to set the tone. And you might feel somewhat uncomfortable. But it's important because the Bible says unless a seed dies, it cannot bear fruit. But if the seed is died and buried... It'll bear much fruit. So in order to experience a harvest, there's got to be a mortification. There's got to be a death. And so we're going to kill some things today to get ready as we anticipate a great harvest that God has for us. And so this series entitled The Harvest Life, to me is important as a church that you understand this is the direction God wants you to go as a believer. I want you to realize that a harvest is the end result of something sown. You cannot expect a harvest and you sow nothing for that harvest. When a farmer anticipates a harvest of crops, he's not doing it just because he has faith. The Bible says that faith without works is no good. He's not saying, I'm going to have a crop, a corn, crops of corn, crops of corn. No, no, no. He has faith that crops of corn will come because he has worked the soil by sowing seeds. So faith requires work and there are people that are hoping for God to give them a harvest of something they have not sown a seed for it's interesting that when God made man he made us in seed form First of all, the Bible says that God created, listen to this, a garden in Eden. Some of us have the misconception of concluding that that's one thing, the garden of Eden. No, God created a garden in Eden. So one thing is the garden. Another thing is Eden. Now, 
Why did God put a garden in Eden? Well, you have to then understand what does Eden mean? Some of us think that Eden is a place. And if that were true, then the question is, where is Eden today? Because in the Bible, the Bible talks about Egypt. Egypt is still there. Right? The Bible, to talk, the Bible talks about Minor Asia. Minor Asia is the modern-day Turkey today. The, the Bible talks about the, the kings of the east. The kings of the east, that's China. But why is it that when it comes to the Eden part, we can't find it? People say, no, God took it. God didn't God don't want no land in heaven. God is spirit. And so then that causes me to realize, well, then what does Eden mean? And Eden in the Hebrew comes from the word A-Y-D-E-N, which is Aden, which literally means a place of delight. Translation. Eden is not a geographic location. Eden is an experience. So Eden is wherever God is, there's the light. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, don't take from the fruit. Because the day you eat, you're going to die. What happened when they took from the fruit? They discovered that they were naked and they covered themselves and God cast them out of the garden, not of Eden. God casted them out of the garden. But Eden ceased to be because God went back up to heaven. He said, I can't mess with you no more. So now God uses a priest, a prophet, so that throughout, the, because of sin of man, now God uses people to speak to the people. And then I'm derailing, but and then the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire were just shadows of God's presence. But it isn't until Jesus comes back to the planet that Eden comes back to earth. So when we talk about Eden, Eden is an experience. Eden is a state of living. But there's a garden. And it was in the garden that God created man why did God create man in a garden because mankind is a seed you are a seed every good farmer and every good gardener will put his seed in a good garden so God said, I have this seed called mankind, and I'm not just going to put him anywhere. I'm going to plant him in a garden, and this garden, I'm going to put it in my presence. That's why when Adam, the Bible says, and God blew in Adam, the breath of life, when he blew in Adam, what he put in Adam was seed. He put a seed in Adam, and Adam became a living creature. And the first thing God tells Adam when he came alive, he said, look what he tells him. He tells him, be fruitful. Because when God saw Adam, he saw fruit. When God saw, when God saw Adam, he didn't see a man. 
When, when, when God saw Adam, he didn't see a man and a woman. When God saw Adam, he saw a forest. He saw a forest. That's what he said. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. So the very fact that we are alive indicates that God deposited in us a seed. And he deposited us in us a seed. And he expects growth because he knows what he put inside of us. So every person in this room should be living a harvest life. Not because of your abilities, not because of your capacities, but because God is so confident in what he placed in you that he says, if you just stay in the soil and stay in Eden, I promise you, you're going to bear fruit. So God has placed a seed in every one of us. And he didn't put a seed in us just because we're cute. He put a seed in us because there's a level of expectation. I'm putting a seed in you. Consequence, be fruitful. I'm putting a seed in you. Therefore, do something with it. When Adam came alive, God didn't say, oh my God, he's so cute. Let's take a selfie real quick. He didn't do that. No. The first thing he tells Adam, what you going to do with what I gave you? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Now, when we talk about harvest, a harvest is a reward. A harvest is the consequence of whatever I sow. I cannot get upset when I don't have a harvest in whatever area of my life when I don't sow a thing in that area. I cannot expect to get a harvest of love for my wife if I don't sow love to my wife. I cannot expect to get a harvest of respect and love for my children just because I'm the man of the house. If I don't sow love to my children, I can't get mad if my children don't love me. Because the Bible says, mother, look what the Bible says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And then he says, whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. So if you're reaping hatred, you might be just sowing. If you're reaping no forgiveness, it may be probable that you have been sowing lack of forgiveness. Because whatever you sow, the by Jesus said, whatever you sow, listen, God can be mocked. Whatever you sow, God said, Jesus said, you're going to produce fruit. Now, now, the problem is some of us are not receiving a harvest because we're just not sowing. We're just not sowing. So if you're not sowing, don't get mad at God. Sow. Start. Thank you. Thank you, mama. But, but if you are sowing, then don't get frustrated. Because it is impossible for me to take a seed, put it on the dirt, and put the dirt, and put the seed underneath the dirt, and close the dirt, and expect tomorrow a tree to pop out. As I plant the seed, now I need to work the seed. 
I need to water it every day. I need to expose it to the sun. I need to speak to it. Did you know that when you speak to flowers, they grow better and nicer and cuter? I got to speak to it. But if you don't sow, you're not going to harvest. A harvest is a reward. A harvest is what you leave behind. A harvest is a legacy. As a matter of fact, Jesus one time got so annoyed at this tree. Because it had green leaves. It produced shadows. It was a fig tree. And Jesus got so pissed at it. He, he, the Bible says he cursed the tree. Because when he went to take fruit from it, it didn't produce. And Jesus cursed the tree. Why did Jesus curse the tree? Because that tree is alive because it had a seed. And it had a seed, but it never produced fruit. And God is saying, how was it possible, Mr. Tree, that I gave you seed, and I put that seed to grow, and I caused that seed to multiply, and you did nothing with it, and there's no fruit coming out of it. Therefore, even though you're big, you're green, you're tall, and you provide shadow, I'm going to curse you because the goal of a tree is not to look pretty. The goal of a tree is to bear fruit. How many of us, we look so cute and sanctified and holy in church? You, you, you just see how good you look from up here. And God is saying, no fruit, no fruit, no fruit, no fruit, no fruit, cursed. Giving is the result of a harvest. So you must, you must first sow in order to enjoy your harvest. And this is crazy because we as believers... We have no problem giving God everything. When I got saved, I gave him my heart. Mm. I gave him my soul. I gave him my broken life. I was jacked up when I came to Jesus. Jesus, if you can do anything, well, you can do it. I gave everything. Yet the only thing I didn't give God instantly was my finances. Notice, notice, you can talk to anybody about everything. About how ugly, how bad your husband, your wife is. Child, I can't wait he die. I get another woman, another man. We, you know, we talk about our job. I can't hate my, I hate my boss. We talk about, oh my God, I need to lose weight. We talk about everything. My, the car you have, you drive, the house you live in, the old furniture. You talk about everything. Sickness in your body. Even things we don't need to know. Man, I'm producing a weird order in my underarm now. I know what it is. We, we talk about everything. Now, if you're honest with yourself, you don't talk to nobody how much money you got in your bank. You talk about that. You don't talk about how many times your bank account is like LeBron James, bouncing all over the place. Check me bouncing. <laughs> you don't talk about that. You have no problem talking about any topic except your finances. Because there's something about the finances that you have that you say, that's private. That's none of your business. You don't need to know that. It's none of your business. Because there's something about finances that ties to a heart. That's what Jesus said. I'll get there in a minute. I don't want to go ahead of myself. And so we don't have a problem talking about anything and everything except money we get if we got a raise 
if we don't got a raise? Because money to us is sacred. Money to us is private. And so today we're talking about a harvest. But I'm here to tell you as God's voice and as your pastor, don't expect a harvest from God in your finances when you don't honor God with your finances. Now, let me give you, re I'm going to give you five reasons why giving is so important. Five reasons, and then I'll close. Why giving is important. Number one, reason number one, giving makes me look more like God. Lord, I want to be more like you. And you don't give? No, you don't. God's saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. Stop lying. Just shut up. Sing another song. Don't sing that. When I give, I look like God. And there's one verse that glues the entire Bible together. If you take this verse out of the Bible, the whole Bible will fall off. There's one verse that is the glue of the Bible. And it's in John 3, 16 that says, For God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave his only son. God loved the world so much that he gave. Listen to me, church. God is a giver. Let me say that again. God is a giver. And if we want to be like God, then we got to give like God. Because God is a giver. He demonstrated it by giving us a seed to be fruitful and multiply. He, he proved it by putting us in a garden that can cause us to produce and bring about good things. He did that by giving us his only begotten son. And he gave us life. He gave us this world to enjoy. God, God, this, this belonged, all this world was in the head of God, and God took it out of his head, made it happen to give it to you. This world, he gave it to us to enjoy. He even gave us his holy son, his only son, so that we might have a relationship with the Father. Listen to me, church. This verse, John 3, 16, shows us the connection between loving and giving. The connection between loving and giving. You cannot say you love someone when you give nothing to that person. You cannot give. Listen to me. You, you cannot say you love someone you don't give anything to. Now, here's the deal, and here's the truth. You can give without loving. I know people that give without loving. Somebody at the light. You got the light, right? There's a homeless asking. You give, but you don't give because you love. You just give out of pity. You feel bad. Here you go. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. 
It's impossible that you say you love someone and you don't give nothing to that person. It's impossible you say you love your children and you don't, you don't buy nothing, invest in your kids. It's impossible for you to tell me you love your spouse and you give nothing to your spouse. It's impossible to tell me you love God and you give nothing to God. And all you do is give me, give me, give me, give me, my, 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 my. You don't love God, you love you. One of the reasons why giving is important because giving makes you look like God. Reason number two. Giving draws me closer to God. Matthew 6.21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Translation, Pastor. Where I put my money, where I put my time, where I put my efforts, where I put my thinking, where I put my life, that's exactly where my heart is. Pastor, you know my heart is in the church. Okay, let me check your tithing record. You don't give it? No, your heart ain't here. Are you going to a whole group? No, I can't make it. No, your heart is not here. Are you working in the ministry in the church to get this church running and grow the church? No, your heart is not here. Because wherever your heart is, everything about you will be a part of it. I can't stand when people say, Pastor, you know my heart. No, I don't know your heart. I know, I know your income. I know if you're involved in the leadership or not. I know if you're, if you're multiplying. I know that. But I don't know your heart. The Bible says the heart is more deceitful than anything else. Who can know it? If you want to be more like God, then I will then I'll also want you to be closer to God. The only way you can be like somebody is if you get closer to that person. You start learning. You start learning those gestures, and, and you start acting like that person. You start, act, uh, you know, uh, maneuvering like that person. And the closer you get to God, you're going to realize that God is a giver. And the more you get closer to God, you're going to realize that God, God likes to give good gifts to his children. And so the more you get, like, you, look, you get closer to God, the more like God you want to be. The more like God you want to be. If you're not a giver, I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to hurt nobody. If you're not a giver, you look like the devil. Because the Bible says the devil comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. His job is to take, and it's me, and it's me, and it's mine, and I want to rob it, and I want to take it, and I want to take it. But when you look like God, you want to give, and give love, and give hope, and give purpose, and give finances, and give, and give. The devil takes, God gives. When I give out of a heart of love and compassion, I'll find that I'm also next to God's heart. I told you, I'm, I'm, setting, I'm setting the tone because we ain't going to have no harvest if we're not breaking ground first. So I got to break ground. Okay? So reason number one, giving makes me more, more like God. Reason number two, giving draws me closer to God. Reason number three, giving strengthens my faith. There's something about giving and faith. Look what the Bible says. That's the subject. Whenever you give, there's a sense of expectation. But now let me explain expectation. The other day, my wife and I, we were hungry, right? Because now that we got my kids and my kids are grown, my wife don't cook no more, right? But let me, let, me, let me explain, let me explain. And by the way, by the way, by the way, it says, 
I love my wife. So chill. Because my kids, my kids, my, my wife cooks, they don't eat. So the food get old and it gets, you know, we don't eat. My kids are always in the road. And so we went out to eat late at night. Everything was closed. Everything was closed. Except McDonald's. And I don't really like McDonald's. I think McDonald's is like Satan to torture team chamber. That's just, it's just, it's just gonna die, you know. But but we were hungry, so we went to McDonald's. So we went, we went to we went to the to the drive-thru. We went to drive-thru and and, 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 and uh, do you guys go, men, where my men at? Where my men at? Okay. Men, 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 uh, do, you, do you go through what I go through every time I'm at that damn booth? My wife never knows what she wants. I'm like, babe, what do you want? What are you going to get? No, no, I didn't ask you what I'm going to get. What do you want? All right, close parenthesis because that wasn't my point. My point is this. Here's my point. My point is. I get to the first window. No, I get, I get to the, the screen with the selections, and then a little microphone comes out. Hey, welcome to McDonald's. My name is Panchita. How may I help you, right? And so I'm like, okay, Panchita. <laughs> I want, I usually get cheeseburger meal, no mustard, no pickles, right? I, listen, by the way, when you order McDonald's, always say you want it fresh, okay? Yeah, that's a sign note. All right, uh, and I said, I want it fresh, and then my wife wanted some chicken nuggets, and we got chicken nuggets, right? And then she said, okay, so you want chicken nuggets, six-piece, and you want uh, a cheeseburger with no mustard and no pickles, and my wife wants a hamburger, nothing on it, just the meat and the bun. Yes, exactly what I want. You sure you want the meat? Yeah, that's all I want, the meat and the bun. That's it. Okay, so your total is going to be whatever it was. So now, I got to go to booth number one. And in booth number one is Panchita. So I got to give Panchita my, my debit card, and Panchita is going to swipe my card, give me a receipt, and then I got to go to booth number two, because booth number two is where I'm going to get my chicken nuggets, you know. Okay. Now, on my way from the speaker to booth one, there's no excitement from my behalf, because I know what I'm going to get, because I placed the order. I'm not, oh my God, I can't wait what they're going to give me. I can't wait, oh my God. Is it a burger? Is it a Big Mac? Is it a what? Oh my God. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, no, no. I'm not hype. Because I know what I ordered. So when I get to booth number one, I'm giving my card. And I, sometimes I give the card and I'm still talking to my wife or I'm on a phone call. And I don't, I really disregard the person because I know that she's there providing me a service because it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. And making sure I want it the way I want it, right? And then after I get that, I go to the second move. When I get to the second move, I get my burger and I go on my way. And, and I'm, there's no hype and there's no excitement and I'm not thrilled and not unemotional because I knew why I went there. I said what I wanted. I paid for what I wanted and I got what I wanted. Sometimes we act like that when it comes to God. We come to God, we give him a tithe and we act like God has to give us what we want because we gave him a tithe. You, don't, you can't treat God like you treat Panchita and McDonald's. You got to treat God like God. If I got a dollar, it's because you've been faithful. If I got a job, it's because you've been faithful. So I'm not going to give you because I want a burger. I want to give you because you're good, because you're faithful. And if you bless me, by the time I get to booth two, I'm going to give you praise. But if it don't come to next year, I'm still going to be faithful in my giving because you created me to be like you and to give like you. Many times we treat tithing like we treat panchita. I gave a tithe. 
By the time I get to booth number one, there better be something in the mail. By the time I get to booth number two, God better make a way. Because I'm tithing. Giving is a matter of the heart. It's not what you give. It's how you give. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 9. Verse 5 and verse 9 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. And verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything. Wait, leave that verse out there. Honor the Lord. The word honor, take out honor and put make proud. Because that's what honor means. God is saying, make me proud with your wealth and with the worst part or your chump change. Or after you pay all your bills, and if you got anything left, give me that. He says, with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Why is the word produce there? Because you're a seed. It's not your fruit. It's not yours. I've never seen an apple tree eat an apple. I've never seen an orange tree eat an orange. Because oranges are not, are not supposed to eat the fruit. They're supposed to produce the fruit. When you eat your fruit, you are a spiritual carnivore. Let me finish. I gotta... Nothing strengthens my faith more than giving. Check this out. When I don't understand how in the world I could possibly give to God. I remember, I said this before, I'll say it again. I remember one time in 95. No, it was not, no. It was, I had three kids. 97, 98, but I, somewhere there. I already had my three kids. I remember my wife and I, we was going to the church in the Bronx. And I remember, I remember, I remember I, I, I had a meeting with the pastor. I said, pastor, I, I need to meet with you because I, I want to give you the reasons why I can't tithe. I had justifiable reasons why I couldn't tithe. And so he, he honored my request, and we had a meeting, and I gave him a whole list. I had the phone bill, the, 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 the light bill, the, 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 the rent. I had a bunch of credit cards. I had, I had everything. I had a cell phone. Remember back in the big, big cell phones with antennas, like five feet tall? I had that one. And all of this, hello, hello. I mean, I, mean, I, had, I had it all. I had it all. I had it all. I had everything. I had everything. I said, Pastor, I, can, I, I wish I could tithe, Pastor. I was that good Pharisee. Translation, that good hypocrite. I, 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 it's not that I don't want to tithe. Pastor, it's that I, I can't afford to tithe. He said, well, Gabby, let, let's do this. Let, let me go over your finances. And I said, okay. So I started showing him all of my bills. Like, oh, my God, Pastor. said, I don't know, right, baby? He was like, oh, my God, Gabby. He looked at all of my finances. He's like, I don't know how you're surviving. I had more expenses than I did income. And you know how I was making it? You know how you know how I was making it? I was prostituting the ministry. I was accepting every invitation to get an orphan to help me pay the rent. And he said, Gabby, 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 okay, Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. Okay. Let me go over your eye. Okay. The rent, you gotta pay. If you don't pay the rent, you're gonna live in the street. You got three kids. You gotta pay the rent. You can't mess with that. Um, um, your credit cards, all these 20-something credit cards you have, you spent those money, that money, now you gotta pay. You can't be a thief. 
I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. You got to pay all those credit cards. Okay. Um, 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 you got to pay this. You got to pay insurance. You go, okay. But, but then he said, I, 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 see, I see an item that you could get rid of. And then he asked me, my wife can tell you, hey, do you want to honor God? I said, Pastor, yes, a good Pharisee. Yes, I want to honor God. Tell me how, Mr. Pastor. He said, well, I see you have a brand new car of the year. I was paying close to $500 a month for that car and another three, $400 of insurance a month. He says, Gabby, do you want to honor God? Because if you want to honor God, here's what you could do. You could return the car and you're going to have close to $1,000. And you could be faithful to God in your tithing. I tell you, in my mind, I was cursing this passage. You demon, get there behind me. The devil is a liar. I plead the blood. I bind you, Satan. Your mama. I was crazy. Because that's not what I expected to hear. I was hoping he would come and say, come here, Gabby. Um, get me a bottle of oil and put all of oil on my bills and say, God, in the name of Jesus, let all that negative turn positive. In the name of Jesus, put some oil on my head and lean me back and lean back and lean back. And that didn't happen. That did not happen. It did not happen. I left discouraged. I really left discouraged. And for a few weeks, I don't remember how many weeks, for maybe two weeks. This is crazy. This is crazy. Two weeks later, I was going to go to a conference, a TDJ's conference called Megafestival, Manpower, one of those two. And, and, and I was taking some of the guys in the church in my brand new car. I, it was a brand new, I'm talking about brand new car. As a matter of fact, it was a year ahead of its time. It was a brand new car. You go in. Man, it was amazing. And I was like, guys, guys, hey, 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 listen, we're going to go to Tampa. It's on me. I got a brand new car. We all go in my car. You know what happened? You know what happened? They all came to my house. My wife can tell you. They all came to my house. They look as everybody's hype. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. We put the luggage in the trunk. We opened the garage of the house. And I put the key to turn on the car, and the car don't turn on. A brand, I had, I had the car maybe like a month or two. A brand new car, and the car wouldn't turn on. We ended up taking a Greyhound and went to Tampa. We gonna take. When I came back from that conference, the first thing I did the fir that first week was I went to the car. When I came back, I took the car. I drove to the dealer. I was like, oh my God, this is my last ride in a brand new car. So I turn, I blast the radio, get all, I, I wanted to get all the features before I returned. I was sniffing the car the whole ride. <laughs> Trying to keep the smile in me. I, I, I closed the window, blasted the AC, had the radio bumping. And when I get to the dealer, I said, I said, mister, I need to return this car. He said, what's wrong with the car? I said, you don't, nothing is wrong with the car. I can't, I can't continue to keep this car. And literally, this is what I told him. I said, because I want to honor God with my tithe. He said, Mr. Mejia, if you do this, I just want to let you know, this is going to affect your credit. And consequently, we're going to sell this car, but it's going to be sold under the value we sold it to you. And the difference, we're going to take it out of your check. I said, I don't care. Do what you got to do. You know what he, I did? I returned that car. And for about four to five months. Now, bear in mind, I have a wife. My daughter was three. My son John was two, and Jonathan was months. And you know what happened? All that time, for about five, six months, I was, I was, I was taking, I was getting, uh, uh, bong. How do you say bong? 
I was getting rides from members in the church taking me to church. Oh my God, it was my, my pride was was really really bad. I was borderline embarrassed. Hey, could you pick me up to go to church? Me and my wife with three kids. I'm talking about crazy. And every Sunday, somebody was taking me to church. But let me tell you, there was my, my best part of the service was in the worship. My best part of the service when it was time to give an offering. And I was like, I am so thankful, God, that I can give you my tithe because I've made a sacrifice. And maybe I have to take a ride to go to church, but I want to let you know that you are my priority, that everything I have is because of you. So when you see me today driving and my beautiful BMW, God gave me that car. I didn't pay for it. God gave it to me. Why? It, it didn't happen. It didn't happen 20 years ago. It didn't happen when I gave him the car. I didn't go to the second booth the next day. I had to wait 20 years to go to booth number two and get my Big Mac and my Happy Meal. But I'm here to tell you, when you're faithful to God and you're obedient when you're giving, the doors of heaven will open on your behalf. It was embarrassing. And there was no Uber back then. It was embarrassing. But I was the happiest member in that church. And I was like, and 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 I would come up with my tithe. And Pastor would like, Gabi, te felicito, Gabi. God's gonna bless you because of that. That was the first and only time I had a struggle with tithing. Because I'm the type of person, oh, I learned my lesson once. I don't know how people in church 20, 30, 40 years, and they're still stumbling and struggling in the same thing. Oh, my God. Man, will you get it for the love of God? Will you, will you understand that when you give, you're, you're, pre you're preparing a way for you to be better? People say, man, I want to be like pastor. No, you don't want to be like that. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to not go out and not go on vacations and not do that and honor God in your giving? If you're not willing to do that, don't look at me and say, that's not fair. God is not a respecter of persons. If you do what I do, you're going to get what I get. Giving is the only way. That lets God know where your heart is at. Giving strengthens your faith. It strengthens your faith to believe. But it's got to be giving the way God gives. God doesn't say, I'm going to give you my son, but don't kill him. I'm going to give you my son. You can heal, walk on water, talk about Shazam. But, but no, no, no. No, he gave his son. He said, take him and kill him. He wants us to give beyond our mental capacity. He wants us to give. He wants us to give beyond our budgeting. Listen, you don't put your tithe in your budget. No. You budget after you tithe. Okay, all right, here's my interest, okay. I got this, I got that, I got tithing. Tithing is not an item in your budget. I don't do that as a budget. I do that before I budget. Because if not, I'm eating. I'll get to that in a minute. So it requires faith. The more I give, the stronger my faith will become. The more you give God, the stronger your faith will become. The less you give God, the more uncertain and fearful you are. This is so because I discover that I cannot outgive God. The more you give God, you're going to realize you can be God in giving. So giving becomes a pleasure. When you understand, I can't outgive God. Oh God, I, 
I'm gonna give you. Like, listen, 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 listen. Have you ever had Christmases where you were like, I hope this person gets me, not that person? When you do your little potluck, right? I, I, I hope it's her because every time she gives gifts, ah, but whenever, every time she gives gifts, she's giving Tupperware and she's giving, you know, you know. You cannot outgive God. That's why when I give, I give with joy. I give happy. When I give, I give with cheerful spirit because I know that I'm giving to the greatest, the greatest God in the universe, the only God in the universe that he gives back better and greater than what I've sold. The more I give, the more he provides me the ability. Listen to me. The more I give, the more he gives me the ability to give. The more I give, the more he provides me the ability to give. I'm going to say it again. The more I give, the more he provides me the ability to give. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. So what you have is the end result of what you're giving. Reason number four. Giving is an investment for eternity. 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19 says, check this out. It says, give happily to those in need and always be ready to share whatever God has given you. Continue. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven it is the only safe investment for eternity. As a pastor, I've spoken in many eulogy services, many funerals. And now let me tell you what I have never seen in any one of those sermons I've preached in funeral eulogy services. I've never seen a hearse followed by a U-Haul truck. Never seen that. I've never seen a dead person in a hearse who said, um, can you attach a U-Haul and put my plasma in there, my, my furniture in there, my Xbox in there, can you put in my, my brand new bike in there? No, no. I've never seen a dead person request to make his hole greater to put in a 100-inch TV, to put in the set of Jordans, yeah, I want to die with all my Jordans, like this. No. When you die, everything you have stays behind. You can't take it with you. Now, here's one thing you can do when you die. You can send it on ahead. This is why giving to the ministry and giving to the kingdom is your way of investing. Put that verse up. Is the way of investing in the future. So that you are, no, the, the, verse 19. So that you can store up real treasure for yourself in heaven. In heaven. We as believers, we have to think with a heaven perspective. Reason number five, why we give. Giving reveals my spiritual maturity. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, But just as you excel in everything, and he's going to explain what those things are, in faith, 
in speech. Some of us were excellent in faith. I believe you are my healer. Some of us are good in speaking. The Lord, the world says, and, and we know scripture. In knowledge, wise people in this place. In complete earnestness, look what he says. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. The same way you want to grow in faith and you want to grow in speech and you want to grow in knowledge and you want to be complete in earnestness. He says, that same way you got to grow in the grace. I like he put the word grace. Because if you said in giving, you think it's a bill. Grace is you don't deserve it. I want you to grow and excel in the unmerited gift of giving. So ultimately, giving is more about my spiritual maturity than it is about the actual gift. Our finances are the last part of our personal life that we will release in trust to God. This is why we hold our money and our wealth as a form of security. And there's nothing wrong with being security, having a 401k and 402b and whatever else you have and ABC. It's good that I got that and that you need that. That's good. But we cannot trust God and trust in our money at the same time. Giving is the discipline of learning to trust God. Why? Because giving reveals to us the truth of our spiritual maturity. You want to know how spiritual you are. Call the church and say, hey, I want to check my tithing record. I want to know how many times I've given to the church. We feed the homeless. We're feeding them in Venezuela. We're, we're, we're sending money to church planting, church planting. Every Sunday, every week we send hundreds of dollars to plant churches. And the question is... How involved are you are in being a part of that? Because that will tell you your maturity level. A kid, a kid has five dollars, he'll spend it in two seconds. A mature person has five dollars, it'll last him a week. He thinks before he spends. He's responsible in his giving. And so the Bible says, so he who much is given, much is required. I close with this. Let me get that. What is this, guys? It's an apple, right? Let me talk a little about this. Can you hear me? And I'll start eating the mic. This is an apple. This apple can be enjoyed in multiple ways. I can eat it as an apple. This apple, if I don't want to eat it as apple, I can eat it as applesauce. This apple, if I don't like applesauce, I can eat it as an apple frappe. If I don't like frappe, I can eat it as an apple pie. I can do with this apple multiple things because the apple doesn't tell me how it wants me to eat it. I eat it the way I want. So if I want applesauce, I'm going to crush it. If I want an apple pie, I'm going to slice it. If I want a frappe, I'm going to put it in a blender and put some ice and put some sugar and put some I don't know what else and frappe. Right? Or I could, I could not want to eat it and drink it as apple juice. I choose to do with the apple whatever I want. So 
Today I'm going to choose, since I don't have a blender, and I don't have a knife, I'm going to choose to eat it. I can't eat it. So I eat it. Right? So I'm eating my apple. It's my apple. It tastes so good. But when I get, when I get, when I get to the core, there's a thing in the apple that I can't eat. That's not designed to be eaten. So the apple tells me, Gabby, you can tie me up from the floor. Many of us treat our finances and God this way. God gives us everything we have, but at the core, There's a seed. And God says, I'm going to give you everything you have so you can frappe it, applesauce it, apple pie it, apple juice it. But here's what I want from that. I want to make sure that when you get ready to do that, make sure you don't do away with the seed. Because if you do away with the seed, I won't be able to give you another apple so you can frappe it again. Your tithe is the seed. And God says, all I want is 10% of what you have, and I'll let you do whatever you want to do with what you have, but because you honor me with the 10%, I'll promise you next week, here's another apple. But if you don't plant a seed, don't expect God to give you a harvest. If you don't plant a seed, don't expect God to open a door on your behalf. So my question to you is, what are you doing with the seeds God has given you? So to close, why is giving important? Five reasons again. Number one, giving makes me more like God. Number two, giving draws me closer to God. Number three, giving strengthens my faith. Number four, giving is an investment for eternity. And number five, giving reveals my spiritual we hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.